0: we often see prostaglandins will affect the bowel. And that's where people will have these softer, runnier poos or period poop. Period poop, see, Yeah, we can see that relationship as well. And whenever I explain this to a client, they're like, oh my God, light bulb moment. Because we've all experienced this constipation leading up to our cycle or our period. And then as we bleed, that's when we have those funky period poops out of nowhere. And (laughs) as if a period wasn't enough, you know what I mean? You're listening
1: to the Well Woman podcast. I'm your host, Gemily, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature you're tuning in to episode 193 of the Well Woman podcast. This is the episode chatting about the great topic, period poos, IBS and digestive health. On the show today, I'm joined by Chelsea McCallum. Chelsea is an online dietitian based in Brisbane, Australia, and she's founded the IBS Relief Program, a completely digital solution helping IBS sufferers from all over Australia and internationally. She specializes particularly in IBS and the low FODMAP diet. In this episode, with Chelsea, we chat, of course, all about IBS. Now that leads us into the topic of conversation about poo and we chat about period poos, poos whilst we're menstruating and also those late inner autumn luteal phase digestive challenges that we might experience, not to mention IBS. What is IBS? How can we support IBS? Hormones that affect IBS? And how is digestive health related to menstrual health? We chat about all of this in this episode. I hope you enjoy as much as I did chatting with Chelsea live. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. You are beyond welcome to be here. It's a pleasure for me that you are here. So thank you so much for taking the time to share a little bit about, you know, gut health and IBS that we're going to be chatting about today. But before we jump in, tell us what day of your cycle are you on today and how are you checking in? How are you feeling right now?
0: Thank you so much for asking. It's an interesting thing that I probably should check in with more often. Um, I'm the kind of person that has the app but doesn't really use it until I notice changes and I've just had a quick look and today is predicted ovulation and it actually doesn't surprise me, you know, last night stayed up really late watching the news, a little bit of television, um, and surprisingly I'm feeling really good today. And that's probably thanks to ovulation and I guess the hormones that are rushing around my body.
1: Mm. And as we're recording this, before we hit record, you have lots going on in your life. And so your inner summer ovulation time is definitely supporting that, I can imagine. Is that true? Yeah.
0: It's perfect timing. Yeah. I couldn't have timed it better myself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's so beautiful, and the cycle actually aligns with your life in that way. And you're like, "Oh, thank goodness, this is happening now." Mm-hmm. Um, so nice. Now, tell us, who are you? Who is Chelsea McCallum, and why are we talking to you about IBS and gut health and all the, and hormones and all the things? And how did you get onto this journey? Yeah,
0: great question. Um, I guess if we strip it all back, I'm just a dietitian. i have Nothing special, but I guess I have really specialised in a particular area of dietetics. So um, doing my degree, um, finishing university, I started to experience um, funky gut symptoms myself, particularly around the time of applying for full-time jobs and really looking for something. It was super stressful. Um, like a lot of students do experience, there was a job shortage when I finished university. It was difficult to get something. Um, I think that increased stress during that time period of my life as really a catalyst for gut issues and things like bloating, constipation, some unpredictable urgent diarrhea. Um, and that's really when I started to focus more on gut health, but also irritable bowel syndrome and other conditions like inflammatory bowel disease, which includes Crohn's and colitis. So it had always been, I guess, an interest of mine to be a dietitian and work in that gut health space. As I started working clinically as a dietitian, I was, of course, seeing a lot of different types of patients working with people for weight loss or heart disease, diabetes, all of the above. Um, But even if they came in for cholesterol, I would ask them questions about their bowel movements because from how you pass bowel movements, how often the consistency, it can tell us a lot about a person's diet and if we need to make adjustments to it. Um, and I just found that regardless of what people were coming in for, so many had gut issues, whether it be the constipation or the bloating or the diarrhea. And because these are not things that we talk about often, unless they're asked, a lot of people assumed that those symptoms are really normal. Mm-hmm. So it's that combination of having my own gut troubles, but also seeing how prevalent it was in you know, people that had no idea that it was an issue. It really drove me to work more specifically in the space. So um, in private practice, I was seeing a lot more clients specifically for irritable bowel syndrome. I would talk to GPs about how it was my interest. Um, And then when the pandemic happened, I decided to take my practice all online and I decided to exclusively see people with irritable bowel syndrome. And a lot of my friends and family were a little bit scared that it was going to shut off the opportunity to see a lot of people with heart disease or weight loss or other issues that they might see a dietitian for. But to be truthful, it has just opened me up even more to help others with irritable bowel syndrome because you understand so much more when you work in such a niche space day, day in and day out. So I guess that's a little bit about me and I guess why I'm a dietitian and I work in the space that I do. Um, I guess through the timing that I did, all of this was really interesting during the pandemic as well is because everyone started to do online consultations with their doctors or dietitians or psychologists. And now I run that completely virtual clinic and I'm able to see clients that live around the corner from me here in Brisbane. I get to see some of my clients every day on you know a river walk or getting a coffee. Um, and then I've got clients in the United States and Canada and New Zealand and Dubai and India. So it's amazing to be able to offer a service which really helps people with that specific uncomfortable problem and they're in the comfort of their own home, They're in pajamas, which they want to be. I
1: love that. It's so beautiful to niche so specifically and I can definitely resonate when you said your friends and family were like, "Ah, oh, Chelsea, is this the right thing to do? Like you're kind of turning away a lot of other people that would really benefit from your support. But I'm really proud of you, so congratulations on doing that and going online. It just goes to show like IBS is just such a very big topic Mm. that a lot of people experience. I know for myself, which a story you probably wouldn't know, is I for a number of years experienced IBS and then I got diagnosed with leaky gut. And this was back in 2013, 2012, 2013. So a long time ago, my life is very different now than what it was back then. But like you mentioned, a lot of it was to do with stress. Mm. So people today just don't even really understand what IBS is. So tell us what is IBS and Mm. how does one know if they have IBS?
0: Mm -hmm. Of course. Great question. So IBS, it stands for irritable bowel syndrome, and we used to call it um, a disorder of um well now we call it a disorder of the gut brain axis so we know that there is some miscommunication previously we would call it a functional gut disorder but now we know that it goes a little bit deeper than the function of your bowel and how it works and it's actually more to do with the way that your gut and brain communicate irritable bowel syndrome is something that's really hard to diagnose so many people don't officially get a diagnosis but they will rule out some really serious conditions before they might start seeing a dietitian or going down a treatment plan for irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, but essentially what you would do if you suspect you have IBS, you would go and talk to your doctor, so a family practitioner or a general practitioner, about the symptoms that you experience. And some really common symptoms would be passing more than three bowel movements per day, passing less than three bowel movements per week, and any uncomfortable and persistent bloating that you're experiencing. Chat to your doctor about those symptoms and quite often they will rule out other conditions. They will test for something, um, or they'll test for celiac disease, they'll rule out that via a blood test to begin with and then they might send you for endoscopy, colonoscopy. They will check inflammation markers, they will check nutrient deficiencies, they might do scans of your abdomen as well. They might try and rule out something like endometriosis um, until they get to the point of everything is clear. It's likely IBS and that's often what a diagnosis does look like. And because it can be so difficult to nail down, they've found that the average time between a client or an individual getting symptoms and actually getting a diagnosis is six and a half years. Wow. So, I guess my advice is if you suspect something, let you know, go ahead, start that conversation uh, with your doctor, whether it be the primary doctor or even a gastroenterologist, if you have the opportunity to reach out to one. Six
1: years. That's a long time. Like that's from like
0: an infant to like,
1: oh, you're at school now. That's a really long time. It's um, proportion. It's also actually a very similar time frame for endometriosis diagnosis. That's a something that's definitely a prolonged period. And I love that you mentioned, like, if you sense something for yourself, like start taking action straight away. Don't wait till like mm-hmm. the door knock is like a door bashing down, you know, bashing down the front door, like listen to your body. And I think we're starting as a world to listen to our bodies a little bit more, but there's so much more we can do. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like i said at the start, you know, people don't talk about their bowel movements very often. And if you have grown up With only going to the restroom once a week to pass a bowel movement, that's what you believe and perceive to be normal until you do talk to someone about your bowel movement. So they notice your habits that you need to go to the restroom multiple times per day to pass the number two. Um, So yeah, I guess, you know, talk to your friends and family about these things, maybe to begin with, they can feel more comfortable doing that if you sense something is a little bit different.
1: Mm, I love the topic of poo because we all shit. Like, let's face, let's be honest, we all shit. (laughs) We all exist because of a period and we all exist because of sex. Most of us exist because of sex and, or we came from a relationship that had sex in it. And then like Mm -hmm. the three topics that are the most common and most unnormalized topics at that. And you mentioned earlier about if you're having less than three bowel movements weekly, (gasps) like only three shits a week. That's not a lot. Like that's Mm -hmm. where's all the food going? Like where is all Mm -hmm. the food going? Um, So I love that you mentioned that because that's a really big key assigned. A lot of people just mm. accept that as normal.
0: Yeah.
1: But it's like, exactly common. Right. <laughs> um, so interesting. Now, what are the common signs? I like to call them cycle signs or signs in general, um, cycle signs specifically for the menstrual cycle, but what are some signs that you might have IBS or you might mm-hmm. have an imbalance in your gut? Because I know a lot of people like, oh, that's nothing. And they just soldier on mm-hmm. when, you know, there are some really good signs the body's communicating with you,
0: like what should we be listening out for? Mm-hmm, of course. Um, so some common sign symptoms would be, I guess, the effect of um, food on your bowel movements or your digestive system and the output. So if you're noticing that particular foods are triggering bloating, diarrhea, constipation, all of the above, that can be one really common sign or symptom that you have irritable bowel syndrome. And in particular, there are some particular foods, we call them FUDMAPs, which is a very long acronym, which I'm happy to explain. Um, but some foods that are high in FODMAPs, things like onion, garlic, mushrooms, cauliflower, um, snow peas, orange juice, if you're noticing a reaction to a lot of healthy foods that really you wouldn't assume trigger symptoms, that could be one sign that you do have irritable bowel syndrome because the treatment plan for bowel syndrome and to identify in food intolerances is actually to follow the low fodmap process.
1: Mm, and most people wouldn't. They're like, "Oh, this is from healthy food. Like, you know, I should keep mm. eating this." And I, that always reminds me of my leaky gut journey. Is that there are still some really great foods that come from nature that don't sit really mm. well in my digestive system. I definitely don't touch. <laughs> definitely don't touch capsicum. It's like mm. a no-no for me. I try to avoid corn and um more so beans, Eat like all, not all legumes, but mostly beans for mm. as much of my cycle or as much of my you know normal eating as possible. And it's more like a I can handle this when I go out. And it doesn't upset me because I'm not eating it all the time. But people just dismiss the fact that it's a healthy food. So how can that possibly mm. disrupt my gut health or how can that throw off my digestion? Um, but so, so it's really important. Um, a question I do have for you though how does digestive health impact our menstrual health or can it impact our menstrual health and are they linked together?
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I guess the most common scenario is if we don't have adequate energy or adequate food in our diet, we don't have the energy for great digestion, we don't have the energy to maintain a healthy period as well. So I'd say that's probably the most common relationship between diet and hormones we also know that other hormones like serotonin one of our happy hormones 90% of it is produced in the gut which can also have a flow and effect to things like your cycle we do see a bigger correlation of um, cycle hormones impacting digestion so there are a lot of changes that you might experience throughout the duration of your cycle Um, usually with the lead up to a period progesterone surges it really slows things down as well it's giving your body a great opportunity to absorb all of the nutrients from the food that passes through your digestive system um and in that phase if you have constipation or you have more constipation predominant ibs you might find that your symptoms are worse you get more bloating you're not passing as regular bowel movements now when we see your period begin the egg hasn't been fertilized all hormones plummet um, we see prostaglandins come in, which are not a hormone, but more of that messaging signal. The prostaglandins help the lining of the uterus to shed because your uterus is in such close proximity to the bowel. We often see prostaglandins will affect the bowel. And that's where people will have these softer, runnier poos or period poops. Period can see, Yeah, we can see that relationship as well. And whenever I explain this to a client, they're like, oh my God, light bulb moment because we've all experienced this constipation leading up to our cycle or our period. And then as we bleed, that's when we have those funky period poops out of nowhere. And (laughs) as if a period wasn't enough, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's kind
1: of like your body's holding on, holding on. It's like, oh, finally we can shit. We're menstruating now. And um, it's, it's very interesting because I feel that that inner autumn, so that last phase, that luteal phase of your cycle is very confusing and confronting for a lot of menstruators because they're like, but I'm I'm hungry and I want to eat all the foods and all I want is the sweet stuff, but then I'm also not shitting. And then when I'm not shitting, all of a sudden I am shitting when I'm menstruating and then I have these cramps and it's really, everything is really well connected. And I think that the more menstruators start to listen to those signs, they can really go, oh, actually, how can I best serve this? And Mm. so it kind of leads to a question I've just thought of is cyclical eating. I'm a big fan of encouraging clients and, you know, people in my community to eat in a cyclical way instead of eating the same style of meals every single day, every day of your life. You're not Groundhog Day and you're not a man. (laughs) Mm. Um, How, what would you recommend for cyclical eating for healthy gut, healthy Mm. digestive Mm. support at like say phase by phase? So menstruation, follicular,
0: ovulation and then luteal what would you recommend great question and you know the phases so much better and clearer than I do so please correct me so I I get this wrong Um, I guess as an overarching recommendation diversity is the number one thing that you want to be including in your diet specifically for gut health so even if that means that you're eating only low FODMAP or no FODMAP foods my number one tip is make sure you're getting a variety of fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains, because that's what's going to feed your gut bacteria. It's going to make them more metabolically active. It's going to mean that they produce more short-chain fatty acids, which we know has a positive flow-on effect to so many aspects of health outside of the gut. For the different phases of um, menstruation and your period or your cycle, I guess there are two main things that I look at with my clients as progesterone increases and goes sky high, slowing things down before your period. I think you mentioned the TL phase. This is when I'm going to encourage my clients to have more dietary fiber and in particular things like chewy fruits or raspberries or chia seeds to really help move things along. These foods are high in insoluble fiber by looking to get adequate fluid, exercise and getting of course enough sleep and I guess stress reduction. That's the main thing that I would be focusing on there. As you have your period, um, that's when I'm encouraging clients to really double down on some other FODMAP-containing foods, and really limit the intake of things that are high fructose, high lactose, mannitol, and sorbitol. Those FODMAPs typically draw fluid into the into the gut, which are going to contribute to even softer, sloppier stools. Um, so, <laughs> like that, it wasn't um,
1: enough already.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So doing what you can to reduce that. Um, osmotic pull of fluid into your bowel, but also if we can look at increasing your intake of soluble fiber. So things like rolled oats and sweet potatoes, blueberries, um, even lentils are a great addition here because they can actually help to firm and bulk the stool, slowing things down ever so slightly. And if we need to, we can add in a fiber supplement as well.
1: Mm, Really, really good information. I always think of insoluble fiber and soluble fiber as insoluble is like the broom where you're brushing out the chimney and really cleaning out the, you know, the janitor of the gut. I like to think. Um, whereas this, like you said, soluble really slows things down. And I think mm. a lot of us forget, um, you know, I have a, a history in seven years of nutritional food science formulation, like so formulating nutritional products. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't consider fiber as a macronutrient, even though it's technically not a macronutrient. I think it plays just as important role as fats, protein, and carbs. Mm-hmm. And fiber is so important for, for menstrual health. Do you have any insights on fiber?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It is so important and diversity of fiber, which I think- I love to, I guess, repeat and nail in because it is so important. You know, fiber is the fuel for your gut bacteria, or um, I guess the microbes that live within your large intestine. And the more fiber that you consume, uh, the more metabolically active they are. Of course, there is an upper limit. You know, if you're eating a ton of dietary fiber—50, 60, 70 grams—you're going to get super constipated or super irritated. So you might on one of two ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, So aiming for anywhere from 25 to 35 grams of dietary fiber is the typical recommendation. Of course, if you're following a plant-based diet already and you're having a lot of dietary fiber, your body tolerates it better, you you can increase that portion as well and that's completely fine. Finding the right happy place for you and ensuring that you're getting adequate fiber and fluid to match to make sure that you don't get constipated from that perspective. Mmm,
1: good tips. I like that. <laughs> I love that you could just talk about fiber forever because fiber is so important. This episode is proudly sponsored by the Yoni Pleasure Palace. You see, mess is an unavoidable part of sex and self pleasure. However, not all of us like sleeping in a big wet patch. Am I right? So if your sex cells is just not cutting up, fear not. The Yoni Pleasure Palace has created the leak proof splash blanket. Yes, it's also affectionately known as the squirt blanket. You see, squirt blankets are 100% waterproof and oh so ridiculously cozy. With a luxurious velvet texture, the blankets are vegan, lightweight, double-sided and can hold up to a litre of liquid. These blankets not only protect your beds, but also eco mattresses, couch covers, car seats, tents... From your juicy gushes. They also give you peace of mind and ability to fully relax during intimacy and to let the floodgates open. Founder of Yoni Pleasure Palace, Rosie Rees, says that these blankets are a psychological sex toy. When women feel more comfortable to let go during sex or self-pleasure, they naturally become more orgasmic and sexually expressive. So head over to yonipleasurepalace.com to learn more and use the code Gemma10 to save 10% off. now tell us when it comes to gut challenges, I feel like a lot of, particularly when we're menstruating, a lot of women are like, oh my God, I'm so bloated. And I feel like I'm so in my clothes. And I'm always saying to them, Chelsea, like, well, you do realize like your uterus nearly doubles in size when you menstruate. So it might not be bloating from your food. And um, it's natural for that expansion to happen. And Mm. we contract in other stages of our cycle. So When it comes to the signs of bloating and the signs of gut irritability when you're menstruating, what are the best tips you recommend as a dietitian for someone whilst they're menstruating who's experiencing these particular signs?
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Number one, wear something comfortable. You know, you don't need to wear. Your tight jeans or like lute lemon leggings, whatever they are, every day of the month. It's just not going to be suitable. Any extra pressure that you put on your digestive system, especially when menstruating, it's going to become more uncomfortable, and you'll be more aware of that pain in the region as well. So, number one tip: dress um, for comfort. You know, that's the time that you pull out a be dress, something more comfortable. You're working from home. You know, put your pajama pants on. I often do. Um, so. That's number one. Two, you can start sipping on things like peppermint tea. You can even use peppermint oil capsules. They can help to relax the smooth muscle of the gut, which means if you do have gas buildup or you have cramping from your digestive system, it can be alleviated with either the peppermint tea or the peppermint oil capsules. Um, Other suggestions would be reducing your intake of two FODMAP groups in particular. So things like uh, fructans and galactooligosaccharides. So fructans we find in- People are like, hang on,
1: what what are those words?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you mind explaining what they are? Of course, of course. So I mentioned FODMAPs a little bit earlier. Um, The low FODMAP diet looks to reduce your intake of particular carbohydrates. Um, We have six different types of FODMAPs. Two in particular can cause a lot of bloating and distension. They're fructans and galacto-oligosaccharides. and Sometimes we abbreviate that to GOS or GOS for short. We find fructans and goss in things like onions, garlic, cashews, pistachios, ripe bananas, Brussels sprouts. So take away these foods for a very short period of time. It might only need to be three to four days um, until that bloating reduces and you don't feel so distended in your stomach. And then bring them back in if you don't have a sensitivity to them outside of your period because they can be really beneficial for your gut health. Um, and they're prebiotic fiber, which we know really stimulate the gut microbiome to be more active. So then, they're my top three tips. Okay. Be comfortable, wear comfortable pants, reduce your intake of FODMAPs, particularly the gops and the fructans. Um, and sip on peppermint tea or use peppermint oil capsules.
1: mm so simple. And I really, really love the first one because most people don't actually adjust how they wear their clothing or what attire they choose on a particular day, but comfort is so important. Like Mm
0: -hmm. let yourself
1: be sloppy. And like, Mm. um, my friend Rosie started this movement called stops, like, don't stop sucking it in, like just Mm -hmm. sucking and holding in your belly. And I don't imagine that's at all good for digestive health. Like you really want to just relax and let your belly go. And Mm. that's so important for menstruation. From what I know is that the more you hold on and restrict, the more restricted and stagnant your blood flow becomes. And then by doing that, you're actually causing more challenges. It's kind of like when you really need to shit or actually there's a better analogy, when you really need to pee and you're holding yourself on to go, like to stop going to the toilet, cause you're maybe not near a toilet. And if you kept doing that for a long time, like what's going to happen? Like you need to just relax and let it out when you can mm. at a toilet, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Um, but course. no, they're really good tips. Ch- Chelsea. Thank you so much. Now, You've mentioned a couple of times about pre, you just mentioned prebiotics. So let's Mm. talk about prebiotics versus probiotics. Like what are the Mm. differences, and what role do they have in having a healthy gut with IBS?
0: Mm. Although they sound very similar, prebiotics and probiotics are completely different things, but they do work together. So the probiotic, that's the beneficial bacteria that has been shown to give Uh, benefits to the host so that would be you taking a probiotic that would benefit you we find probiotics in you know foods in the supermarkets or things like kefir or yogurt Um, we find them in kombucha and kefir and other plant-based alternatives they provide a benefit as they pass through your digestive system they're not going to populate your gut so I don't typically recommend my clients Take a probiotic and certainly not in the initial phases of working together because they do provide benefit, but it's not a sustainable benefit. And it's usually the icing on the cake. It's not going to solve the problem, it's not going to get to the root of why you're experiencing uncomfortable gut symptoms. So sometimes in the final stages of working together, I'll talk them through which probiotics are actually going to be beneficial for their particular symptoms and also what dose and what strain they are going to need because it is so specific. Hmm. And, you know, you walk into any canvas and you see there is a million different types of probiotics and some of them are $10, some of them are hundred bucks. You know, there is a huge range. So that's something that's really important to me that people don't just take probiotics willy-nilly um, because they very unlikely are going to do any good if you're just picking up something random that's good for gut health or good for bloating X, Y, and Z. You want to make sure it's a specific strain of bacteria at the clinical dose that has been shown to be beneficial. On the other hand, we have prebiotics. Now, prebiotics are fibers or types of fibers that actually feed bacteria that reside within your gut. So they work completely differently. An example of prebiotics in foods in our diet would be things like asparagus, apple, oats, lentils onions, garlic. These are really great for your gut bacteria. They provide fuel for the bacteria so that they are producing short-chain fatty acids, which is a beneficial byproduct of fermentation. Um, You can also buy prebiotic supplements, but quite often they're very expensive. They can cause a lot of bloating because they might not be gentle on the gut. Um, So again, I guess instead of going down the supplement route first, I often encourage my clients to increase the intake of dietary-based prebiotic fibers instead of getting something off the shelf and spending a fortune.
1: Mm, and there's so many beautiful options that you can actually do for yourself without having to like go and spend the 400 $500. And I'll never forget when I had leaky gut and I you know, I was educated in health at the time, but I also wasn't very confident in understanding the differences between things I would recommend. So anything they said, oh, you've got to use this. I would just like, yep, yeah, cool. I'm like, I'm down to try anything. You know, I looked six months pregnant. I was like down to try anything to get rid yeah. of this bloated belly. And, you know, you walk into the supplement aisle and it's just like a whole new world. There is so much option. And mm. like you mentioned, they are, they do range in price. And what a lot of people don't realize coming from a manufacturing background The price sometimes represents the quality, but Mm. it sometimes represents how much money goes into the marketing of the product. Mm. And I'm a big believer, Chelsea, in that if the product is half price and on sale, how much quality uh, is actually Um, in the product if they're still making a profit from the half price sale? mm. So, you know, be aware that there are so many other things you can do for yourself while supplements in the right quantity, duration, um, quality, you know, can be beneficial, but what can you do yourself first, I think is a really good, good question. How do you feel about that topic?
0: Oh, I totally agree. And I, I guess I want to let you know that I've been in that situation as well. And I feel like, you know, some of my clients or, um, you know, past clients, they have felt so ashamed and embarrassed because they have spent so much money on supplements before reaching out to someone like a dietitian or a nutritionist, you know, whatever it might be. How on earth are you supposed to know when even myself, a dietitian, has been in that situation spending tons of money on iHerb? I don't even want to tell you how much I have wasted and how many supplement bottles were still full when I threw them out. You were buying experience. You were buying experience. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. And you know, you're not supposed to know exactly what is going to be beneficial for you and not. Um, and you do want a quick fix. I get it. Because if you've had bloating for... You know, for three months—that's enough. That's uncalculable. Let alone six, twelve, twenty years. You do get desperate, and you would throw money at absolutely anything if it was going to promise you know even a small improvement in your symptoms.
1: Yeah, people. It's kind of like that helplessness. Like I just—I'm mm. feeling hopeful now because I have so much helplessness. How can I just do all the things that I can to help me? And sometimes. Mm. I think with health too, a lot of people think, well, the more money I spend, the better it's going to be with me. And sometimes money's not always the best answer. And I, one of the best health tools I think that's available out there is the breath and it's free. It doesn't cost you anything, you know? And so I think for everyone listening, if you are experiencing gut imbalance or gut challenge, yes, go and seek some support from, like you said, a dietitian, a nutritionist, maybe a doctor. But also look at, okay, what can I do for myself? And then what can Mm. others do to support me so that I'm improving myself? Mm. Um, What would you say, Chelsea, to someone who's listening to this is like, oh, my God, they're describing me. I'm the one that stands in the aisle like that at the the chemist or the supermarket or the health food store and is experiencing challenging, I won't say debilitating, Mm. but challenging gut symptoms Mm. from diarrhea to constipation, bloating, et cetera what would you suggest to them that they can do to start the process of looking after their gut?
0: Of course, great question. I think this is absolutely perfect and great to set someone up for success. I always want you to think, what is at the root? You know, why am I getting diarrhea? Instead of slapping on Imodium or Gastrostop or Loperamide, which is the active ingredient, instead of stopping the diarrhea, you know, how can you get to the root and stop that trigger event of what causes it? the very first thing that I think anyone should do before you see a doctor or a dietitian, even is keep a really clear food and symptom diary. Not only track the food and the drinks and the symptoms that you experience, but add in an extra column or row to track your sleep, track your cycle, really important. Um, track things like exercise and stress levels, because IBS is multifactorial. It's often not just a food trigger. Often it's Poor sleep and food, or food and stress. You know, it's so many of my clients have identified that yes, food triggers make up a proportion of what upsets their stomach, but there are other things to take into consideration. So look at it with that holistic approach. Do a food diary for a minimum of five days and make sure it represents a normal part of your week. So maybe a few days over the weekdays and then the weekend as well, capture it and then take it to a professional who can help you interpret it and draw correlations because it can be so clear to someone that has a trained eye and knows what they're looking for. And the more
1: detailed you are, the easier it is for them to like really dive in. I actually had this experience earlier this year. I um I experienced the Rona and I had like postpartum hair loss, but it was from mm. having COVID and I was wow. losing chunks of hair. And I'm like, okay, I'm overviewing everything. I'm massaging my scalp. I'm looking after my hair care. I'm, I live a pretty toxic free life already. Mm. And I did, I went and saw a dietitian, and before I'd even booked in with her, I'd already started my full <laughs> my well full done. diary of everything. And I was like, this is what I'm taking. This is how much. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, actually, I can't really see any faults for your hair and your food. And so we ended up putting it down to like the stress that was on the body, you know, from COVID and, and whatnot. But have the more detail you have, like be prepared um, and take it to the people that, you know, can support you. I always say with women and menstruators, when they're looking for cycle support, start tracking your cycle right now. And I've had so many clients take their cycle trackers to the doctor or their gynecologist and say, hey, look, Mm. I can pinpoint exactly in my cycle when I have these challenges, you know, what can we do about it? Mm. So it helps you feel more empowered. And I'm sure your clients feel like that too, when they track and they write everything down in a diary and bring it to you. Is that true?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if we continue tracking as well. They grow that confidence to actually draw the correlations themselves and understand mm. why they're experiencing the symptoms that they are, even if they're following the diet plan to a T, you know, what's happening with their sleep, their stress, their cycle, and how is that all playing a role with their symptoms? Absolutely.
1: Mm. So juicy. I love that. Thank you. So, everyone who's listening, if you're not already doing a food dryer and you have IBS, you need to start that right now mm-hmm. and reach out to Chelsea and ask for some help. So, Chelsea, how can they? We're almost out of time. Um, so, tell me how or everybody, tell all of us, how can we connect with you? What's the best place to
0: hang out with you? Where can we learn more about what it is that you do and get your support? Best place is Instagram. My handle is IBS underscore dietitian. Um, I provide a ton of free advice and resources on there. It's a great opportunity for you to learn for free, but also get to know me. If you're curious about working with a dietitian, I share behind the scenes of what it actually looks like because it can be a bit of a daunting experience going to see a new health professional. Um, especially if you're not doing face-to-face, you know, if you Mm -hmm. want to get to know me before you reach out, you know, connect with me on Instagram. And then if you're wanting to learn more about how you can actually work with me, there are always several different options um, from downloading a free guide on bloating that's always available via the link in my bio, or you can learn about one of my programs that I run to help people that specifically struggle with irritable bowel syndrome or inflammatory bowel disease.
1: Hmm. Juicy. I'm going to put all of that information in the show notes and your Instagram is amazing. And it is a very educational and also great with behind the scenes. So make sure you go and check out Chelsea, um, over at IBS underscore dietitian. Is that, is that what it is? That's correct. That's right. Awesome. So Chelsea, I have a final podcast question for you before we wrap up. Switching gears. We're totally going to switch gears here. I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self. So when you got your mm-hmm. first period, that young teen tween version of Chelsea, what are three things you wish you had have known then that you now know today?
0: Three things. Okay. Number one, thy period undies sooner. This has been one of the most transformational things that I have ever done, um, and it has made my life so much more comfortable when it comes to having periods. The second absolutely would be that you don't have to remove your tampon every single time that you need to pee. I don't know why, but this piece of information wasn't passed on to me. And I cannot tell you how many years I was removing a tampon just to pass a wee. So that's my second one. Um, that's and a lot of tampons. One, <laughs> oh, it's outrageous. Um, <laughs> but I guess it's sort of one of those things that we didn't talk about as much you know 10 to 15 years to go Mm -hmm. um and then my third one is you know if I could earlier learn more about my cycle and how different hormones can affect my energy levels my digestion of course because you can really utilize different phases of your cycle to achieve different goals and also look after yourself better so they would be my top three
1: Mm, I love that really beautiful thank you and that is a lot of tampons like I said it just but you know we're not educated that there's more than one hole down there yeah yeah and imagine if we were that would just be like it's a whole new world I feel like I say that all the time <laughs> Life- but it really is really <laughs> life-changing oh Chelsea this has been amazing thank you so much for joining us on the show it's been such a pleasure and privilege to have you here and I know everyone's going to get so much value out of it
0: thanks so much for having me generally
1: it's been a pleasure